Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. soldiers of Christ Jesus. This means war. Ten hut, everybody, or I probably should say at ease. Everyone's relaxing, and uh, if you're new, you're probably like, "What did I just walk into?" Uh, kind of, uh, you're like, "What's with the fatigues and the camo and all the army stuff?" Here's the deal: for the last 21 days, this church has actually been at war, uh, not with physical bombs or bullets, but with the spiritual weapons of prayer and fasting. And uh, we wage war differently in the church. What we've been doing is this spring, we've been seeking God, asking His Spirit to move powerfully, and really breakthrough in the lives of his people in a unique way, demolishing strongholds, restoring relationships that were in disrepair, healing areas of our lives that have been wounded or even pinned down. And today, I want to give you a view from the front line, some of the incredible hills that we see God taking here at Liquid, where we see him moving next, and then more importantly, how you can get involved. In a lot of ways, this is your call to duty this spring, an invitation for you to move from your comfy seat in the back row, I see you back there, all the way to the front lines of ministry. Um, we take our inspiration for this series from a verse found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul writes to his young apprentice, listen to these words, he says, endure hardship with us like a what? A good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And the idea Paul's getting at is that when we decide to follow Christ, we're no longer ordinary civilians. We're drafted into the service, capital S, God's service. We're called from kind of passive viewing to active duty, frontline duty. God says, I've got a mission for you to accomplish. I've got an enemy for you to battle, and you have a commanding officer to please. So this is a call to action by Paul to his young charge, Timothy, and he uses this kind of militaristic language uh, to pull out of Timothy this kind of sense of sacrifice and courage and honor as he fights on the front lines for the cause of the gospel. For me, it conjures up uh, from uh, images from that recent miniseries, The Pacific. Has anybody seen this on HBO? Incredible. It's the follow-up to Band of Brothers. It focuses on the experience of three Marines who served in the Pacific campaign in World War II. It takes place in the 40s. It's incredibly stirring as these young men, they kind of pour out of their cities and towns to enlist and serve their country in the name of freedom. It's very different from the the wars we fight today. They're a little bit more ambiguous, but this is the big one, World War II. And the enemy was obvious, Nazis, the Japanese. The mission was very clear. And American fighting men, they went to these far-flung islands in the Pacific to fight this relentless enemy. Now, here's the deal. I'm not recommending this for your kids. 
Uh, it is fierce, it's barbaric, but very stirring as you see people sacrifice to fulfill their CO's orders. In one episode, they land on an island called Peleliu, this tiny island where they have to battle their way through machine gun nests and trenches to take hold of this airstrip. And when they come under heavy fire, some of the soldiers start to question their orders. They're like, is this the right place? This doesn't make sense. This is, you know, heavy fire. It's hot zone. But the one in charge says, if the CO says we got to take that hill, we're going to take that hill. Now, my question to you is, does anybody here know what a CO stands for? What's CO stand for? Anybody know? Commanding. Oh, we got some Marines here. Hoo-ah. Commanding officer. Yeah, if the CO says we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Because the commanding officer, he sees the whole battlefield. He understands what's critical to the mission. So the men battle their way through, and it's actually fierce fighting the whole way. But it's only after they take that hill do they see how mission critical it is. In fact, it becomes the turning point in winning the entire Solomon Islands because they followed their CO, their commanding officer. And in the church, Paul's basically saying, he says, we have the same situation. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle. And he writes, you have a CEO or commanding officer to follow. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his what? His commanding officer. Who's our CEO? It's Jesus Christ. We are his church. We're on a mission from God. Not Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. But Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. In other words, I'm enlisting you. I'm drafting you into something. What's the mission, you ask? It's highly defined. It's not ambiguous. In Matthew 28, our CO, he gave his men these final orders. He, he called them. He said, men, fall in. Go and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So you can see we have a very highly specific mission, and it's actually to save lives. Literally, to see men and women from every tribe and nation come into a saving relationship with God. To let them know that God is actually on their side. He is for them. That if they have hurts, there's healings. If there's strongholds, there's freedom. Where there's sin, there's forgiveness. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Christ. We're a gospel church and that's our mission. Or, or should I say, actually, I should say, let me, let me clarify. I should say that's our co-mission, it's called the Great Commission. We kind of think, oh, that's a fan. It's a co-mission, meaning Jesus says, I'm not doing it alone. I'm drafting you. I want you to be my partner in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus spoke these words literally after he was resurrected, but before he left for heaven. He's basically saying, for a time, I'm enlisting you into my service, and I'm inviting you to partner with me in this mission. Be my co-pilot. And this is God's BHAG. You guys know what a BHAG is? You ever hear that in business? Big, hairy, audacious goal. And God's goal is world domination. <laughs> not, with, not with guns or anything like that, or physical force or political power, but with the Holy Spirit. And for God's glory, he says, this is a war that's waged in love. And it's going to require you to lay down your life like my son did. And so Jesus said, after I leave, I'm drafting you in my service. I'm your CEO, and I have a role for you to play in helping save this world that I gave my life for. Now, what's that role? How can you be involved? I'm very glad you're asking those questions internally. Today, I want to take a little time to connect the dots for you and really show you four things. I want to show you the hills that we're taking, the hits we're absorbing, the heroes in our trenches here at Liquid, and then how you can help. The hills, the hits, the heroes, and in your help. 
As I mentioned, this spring, it's been a unique time in the life of our church. For 21 days, we've been giving up all of our cheeseburger and vices. We've been giving up the Coca-Cola and the Starbucks, drinking only water. We've been fasting for 21 days, eating fresh fruit and everything. And really, that was to see spiritual breakthrough. It's been an incredible thing to see people get involved. This is kind of funny. I'm in a restaurant the other day with my family, and a woman comes up. I didn't recognize her. She goes, Pastor Tim? Yeah. And she goes, I just want to tell you, this fast is amazing. It's changed my life. It's amazing. And I was like, wow, which campus do you attend? Because I didn't recognize her. And she said, oh, I don't go to your church at all. My neighbor told me about this fast. And so I went online and I signed up. It's amazing. And it was kind of funny to me because I didn't even know her. I was just like, good job getting the word out. Anyway, all told, it's incredible. A move of God over 1,000 people have been fasting. And that's a, that's a miracle, New Jersey. That's just incredible to increase their spiritual appetite for God to see his breakthrough in their lives. And we broke this fast on a very important date in our history. On April 17th at the One Service in Montclair. Who was there? Let me hear it if you were in Montclair. You were in Montclair. It was an incredible day. Um, Now catch this, catch this. What happened when we broke the fast? We had about 1,200 people fasting. Guess how many showed up to worship Jesus in Montclair? Double, 2,400 people raising the name of Jesus in the middle of Essex County. That's incredible to me. We actually had capacity for about 1,700, um, so that was a nice little issue for the fire marshal to sort out. It was pretty epic, though. The overflow overflowed. Apologies to you if you were crammed in the balcony. But uh, more important than just the crowd that was gathered is that 78 people literally accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior for the first time. Can we hear it for that? That's the most significant thing. When we think about that, that's the mission, guys. That's literally saving lives. People crossing over the Red Cross, people crossing from death over to life. When I look at that, if I could describe to you kind of the the stories of people who came up on stage to surrender their lives to the cross, three stand out in my mind. There was a father and son who came up. They said, we want to give our lives to Christ together. And so we prayed, and as I'm praying, they're hugging, and they start crying, dad, son, and I'm crying, and we're all in there. Uh, There was a woman who'd been praying for her husband for 16 years that he would accept Christ. And she came up with him, and I will never forget this, because he comes up, I said, how can I pray for you, sir? He goes, well, I guess today's my day. (laughs) And it was amazing. He received Christ. Now, here's the cool part, though. After the service, they left to go get their, pick up their baby boy at Liquid Kids. And guess what? He received Jesus as his Savior, too. Is that incredible? That's an amazing thing. I can't begin to describe to you how proud I am of our Liquid Kids team. Guys, this this is not like babysitting. They are literally saving the next generation as they battle for the hearts and minds of our little ones. I mean, salvation came that whole household that day. A father, his son. You think that family legacy is going to be changed? That's going to change. One of my favorite memories was a man who came up uh, on stage, and uh, I said, uh, where do you go to church typically? And he says, I've never been before. I'm here because of church online. You know, we do this little church online thing. And he says, my daughter has been watching your services online, and I've noticed something strange in her. Her life's changing. He goes, so I started watching. And I was like, that's incredible. He goes, and for some reason, I felt like I should live farther away. He said, I feel like I should drive up here today and come in person. And I'm like, so why are you standing here on stage at this cross? He goes, I want what she has. And he goes, I honestly, he goes, I don't know what you call it. I think it's receiving Christ. I was like, yeah, it's receiving Christ. We can call it that. And he gave his life to Jesus. It was an epic day. I mean, you can't explain stuff like that. Breakthrough all over the place. And one of the primary reasons, honestly, was because so many of you in this room, even online, 
were willing to serve, to volunteer, to create an environment where God's spirit can move powerfully. If you missed it, here's a quick peek at the highlights. We're giving it up. The wall from here is imposing, but it's actually, Jesus says, not as permanent as it seems. From this side, you can't possibly imagine a way over it, around it, through it, but Jesus says, believe in me, and even when you hit the wall, you're going to live. Everything changes. Can we hear it for the hundreds of volunteers? They sacrificed literally thousands of hours, blood, sweat, and yes, tears even, to bring glory to Jesus. It wasn't just salvation. Hundreds of people, literally, they brought, they said, I'm going to face my wall, and they asked God for help. There was a woman who came up. She says, I need help forgiving my husband who really betrayed me and our family. And, and she said, I can't forgive him until I receive forgiveness from Christ. And she gave her life to Christ. It was amazing. Afterwards, oh, this was, this was, talk about a holy moment. We had over a thousand cups of coffee. Let's just praise Jesus right now here. Little Starbucks, we got our spirit back on. Now we're ready to go. That's amazing to me because it was on Palm Sunday, but the following Sunday on Easter, we saw even more evidence of life change. All told, we had over five dozen people who were baptized. They got in our holy hot tub. Look at me. There's, there's me. There's Pastor Tom with his crazy big hair. Here's a person being baptized. And they got in. And that was amazing to me because it's one thing to accept Christ and say, well, that's a private deal. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's another to say, I don't care who knows. I'm giving my life to Christ and I'm going public with this thing. When I saw that, guys, what I said is, what is all of this? These thousands of people, dozens of people coming to Christ. Folks, this is the fruit of our fast. Amen? Is God faithful? You you can ask the question like, well, why did all this happen? Just make no mistake about this. I want you to hear this. We had nothing to do with it. Listen to what Zechariah says. He says, not by might, nor by power, but by what? My spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Let me repeat myself. We had nothing to do with this. God simply pulled out his big gun, the Holy Spirit. And honestly, guys, I believe this is just the beginning. I believe what we witnessed over the past few weeks is a small taste of what the Holy Spirit, what happens when he gets a hold of more and more of our church. Lives change for eternity. I mean, 78 people crossed from death over to life. They settled their salvation issue once and for all. Is there anything more significant in the world? I mean, what, is there any greater mission? In my mind, nothing compares. So what we're seeing right now, especially if you're new, this is a move of God's spirit. He says, I'm going I'm to raise up Jesus and draw all men unto him. But here's the deal, guys. Look, we need people on the front lines to receive them. Jesus said, 
the harvest is plenty. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a lot to reap. But the workers are few. We need people who are willing to move from the sidelines all the way to fight on the front lines of ministry. We need more soldiers. That's what Call of Duty is all about. So consider yourself served. This is really your Call of Duty. I'm inviting you to actually lace up your boots and join the battle and get involved with what God's doing here in this church in New Jersey and really around the world. Join the battle. I say battle, by the way, for, for a couple of reasons. First, that's the metaphor Paul uses in 2 Timothy 2. That's our theme verse. That's where we got that from. But it's obvious also to any of you who have spent time in the service, you know we face a fierce enemy, an enemy of the soul. The Bible says this. Peter, Peter writes, he says, be self-controlled and alert. You're what? Let's read it together. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The day after one uh, was pretty exciting. Uh, everyone in the office, it, candidly, everyone was like high-fiving and celebrating. And, um, but it was by Wednesday that I was quickly reminded about the power of the enemy that we face. Um, at lunchtime, I had um, lunch with a family in our church who, who they, they said, we feel like we're under attack, that their marriage is under attack, that one of their kids is under attack. And they said, we feel lost. We feel like we're drifting. Our, our compass is broken. We have nothing to hold on to. It was a very, very difficult lunch. And I returned back to the office where everyone's celebrating. And I had a voicemail waiting for me. It was um, news that was very hard to take. Uh, many of you know Jose and Kristen Moravi. Um, they are the courageous young couple who um, they shared their story with us a couple of months ago. Their unborn child had a hole in his heart in utero and has his intestines on the outside of his body. And um, they decided not to abort because in faith they said, we want to trust God and go through with this pregnancy. And um, on Wednesday, their little boy, Samuel, they named him Samuel, lost his heartbeat. And they went to the hospital, and he was stillborn. And that's hard news. On a personal level, God had, before we even started fasting, God put on my heart to pray for them every day for the last seven weeks. And every Sunday, we've met after this service to pray asking God to do a miracle to actually bring healing to that child. And um, when you fast and you pray, and a miracle doesn't happen, it, it cuts you to the heart. It cut me to my heart. I, I didn't even work the rest of the day. I had no appetite for it. Maybe you're feeling that way. These things happen in life, and you say, where does this come from? Where's God? In John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief comes only to what? To steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, Jesus says, the reality of your world, of this present darkness, is that on the one hand, you have an enemy of humanity's soul. His sole objective in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And on the other hand, you have Jesus, whose sole mission is to heal, restore, and bless. I don't know how it feels in your home, in your family, but every day I'm reminded we face a very real fierce enemy. The truth is we're still living in a fallen world. One that's been broken by sin. The Bible says it's under bondage, under the control of the evil one. It, it's groaning, groaning, as in the pains of childbirth. And the signs are all around us. You turn on the news, right? Earthquakes, tsunamis, divorce, lost children, sex trafficking, war, dictatorships. That's the story of life. The context of life, of the Christian life in particular, is not a playground. 
It's a battleground. A lot of people think that life is about, well, you know, maximum pleasure. I go to church, sing a few songs, I go home, but everything goes smooth. It's not a playground. It's a battleground, Scripture says. C.S. Lewis said, enemy-occupied territory. That's what this world is. And you may say, well, I thought, I thought Satan, or Jesus, I thought Jesus conquered Satan, sin and death on the cross. Didn't he defeat all that? Yes, is the answer. But even if a war's outcome has already been decided, mark this, there are still battles to fight as we wait for the victory to be fully declared. You understand what I'm talking about? In other words, when it comes to the kingdom of God, Jesus was always preaching about the kingdom of God. You know what he meant by that? When heaven breaks through to earth, when, when, when your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. We see glimmers of that. We have moments like that. But there's this already not yet tension to the kingdom of God. In other words, when Jesus came to this earth, he died. He was resurrected. It's like he established a beachhead. In other words, he kind of broke in the kingdom. He proclaimed freedom for the captives. He gave good news to the poor. He healed the sick. The blind can see. The kingdom came in power through Jesus. And on the cross, he says, I'm defeating Satan, sin, and death once and for all. So in other words, in the scope of God's eternal plan, the kingdom is already here. It's broken through in Jesus. That's what we're witnessing, folks, on Palm Sunday, on Easter. The kingdom breaking through. It's already here. Celebrate. But at the same time, it's not yet fully realized, is it? Every day, you and I still see the effects of Satan, sin, and death all around us. There's a 100% mortality rate. People get cancer. People lose babies. That's the already not yet tension of being a follower of Christ. We know our CO, our commanding officer, has defeated the enemy. But we're waiting for him to return to declare full victory. It's interesting. You all know what D-Day is? You all know, you've seen Private Ryan? <laughs> in World War II, D-Day was the day that the Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy, June 6, 1944. They established a literal beachhead. And in the fighting that ensued, you, you've seen the, probably this in, in the footage, the entire tide of the war changed. It was fierce, it was bloody. But after a series of swift victories, it became obvious to everybody that the Allies would win because they had 100,000 soldiers, an unstoppable force, marching across Europe. That became very clear that the Third Reich was going to fall. Even the Nazis knew their defeat was inevitable. Even they knew it. But D-Day was the invasion. V-Day, you know what V-Day is? What? Well, it's called Victory Day. It didn't come till a full year later. And during that year, that in-between time, even when the enemy knew they were defeated, the fighting was more deadly than any other period combined during World War II. In fact, catch this. More men died in that single year of fighting than all the other years of warfare combined. The time between D-Day, the invasion, and V-Day, the victory, had the highest number of casualties than any other point during the war. Folks, that's where we live right now. That's where we are in the church. We're somewhere between D-Day, with the coming of Jesus, the enemy is defeated. We already know how this turns out. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. Amen? Yeah? But we live between D-Day and V-Day. The enemy's already defeated, But has victory been declared yet? Not yet. Already, not yet. That's the tension we live in as Christ followers. We know how it ends. So we have hope. The Moravis were here worshiping. They said, we have hope. We have hope of seeing our son. But our CO hasn't returned yet. And in the meantime, he's left us here to fight for hearts and minds, to advance the gospel of salvation to break in his kingdom, 
to proclaim freedom for those held captive by addiction and sin and greed, heal those who are wounded, to care for the poor and the sick. And we're reminded along the way, there will be casualties. We see them every day in this church. A few weeks ago, a girl visited with her boyfriend, and they came up uh, to the cross of the end to receive Christ. And I said, how can I pray for you? And they said, well, honestly, we're crackheads. I was like, really? Both of us. I was like, okay, well, Jesus can help you with that. And so we prayed for them, and, and she gave her life to Christ during the fast series. And, um, and we followed up immediately the next day because we wanted to connect them with a rehab program. We wanted to support them in recovery. And she responded at first, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. But by Wednesday midweek, we heard nothing back. So we went out after her and, and, and found out actually that she had been kicked out of her house and now she was living in a car. And then we didn't hear anything for another two days and we're trying all the, the ways we have communicate with her. And then she messaged me on Facebook one time at 3 a.m. And she said, just pray for me, Pastor Tim. I'm, 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 I'm holding on to Jesus, but I'm all alone and I don't know if I'll ever be back. All this to say, we haven't heard from her since. This means war. Somebody has to put their boots on and say, I'm going to go get her. I'm going to get her. Jesus left the 99 to rescue the one. You think he thinks it's important? Every time somebody takes a step towards Christ, the kingdom advances. Every time a crackhead confesses and gets clean, every time a child puts their trust in Jesus, every time someone thinks they're alone and they receive help and grace from the church. The kingdom advances. Lives change. Souls are saved for eternity. And it's beautiful when it happens like it did for Trent, my brother Trent on Easter. Oh, he's, Trent is my brother from another mother. He is new to liquid. He is brand new to the faith. He's a three-week-old Christian. And when he first came to our church, his life was a battlefield in many ways. He was fighting for custody of his kids, but then he accepted Christ, and I will let him tell you what happened. I found Christ about three weeks ago. I was having problems with my, my, my baby's mother, my daughter's mother, and we split up. So I, I, I wasn't going to see my daughter every day again. And it was the worst pain I ever went through in my life. I was at work. I was stressing. I couldn't take the stress anymore. So... I turned to Jesus, and all the stress went away, and I started going to Liquid Church, and i just been blessed ever since. My first service, it felt like they were talking to me. So it just felt like the whole sermon, it, I just related my life to it. Like when you're talking about fasting, the first day of the Daniel fast, when you, when you start fasting, you just get closer to God. I just really felt closer to God. I stopped doing everything that I used to do. I stopped playing my video game for five weeks, and I used to play every day. I stopped doing that. Instead of playing, I prayed. I got split custody with my daughter now, so that situation started getting better. I just feel like a new person. I'm being baptized today because I've truly accepted Jesus in my life, and I feel like I'm starting over. From everything I've done again, it just feel like it's a new beginning for me. For me and my daughter, and I'm just going to be a better person and keep him in my life through good and bad times. Is that awesome? 
Can we hear that for Trent? That is incredible to me. I love that. Folks, that's what it's all about. It's about life change. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, and Jesus says, I've come to heal and restore. That's the mission being fulfilled in 3D color. Last week, we even had a woman get baptized who'd been practicing witchcraft. Did you hear her testimony? It was unbelievable. She was into black magic. She gave her life to Jesus, and she got baptized. And her testimony was the opposite. She said, as soon as I gave my life to Christ, things fell apart. It all got worse, okay? It all got worse. That's the already not yet tension. In other words, when she received Jesus, God's spirit is already operating in her heart. But is everything magically fixed? Not yet. But still, the kingdom advances. Remember, the church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. It may not seem like it to you and me, but the church is literally the world's last great hope. Listen to what Jesus, your CEO, listen to what he has to say about you. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. In other words, in Jesus's view, his church is supposed to be this unstoppable offensive force storming the gates of hell. Let me ask you, when people in this state drive past the church these days, is this what they think? Oh man, they're, 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 they're kicking it and taking names, man. Why, that's a dangerous thing right now. Come on. If we are honest, most of the time, it seems like we're charging the gates of hell with a couple of super soaker water pistols. I'll give you that. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The modern church, typically, we're playing defense. That's how the world sees us. We're known for what we're against, not what we're for. We're defensive against secular culture. We're against this. We have this drawbridge mentality. Let's get in our holy huddle. We're distracted by politics as if some Republican or Democrat or Tea Party or any system of government is going to change the world. That's not God's plan. That's not his plan. You are God's plan. The church is God's plan. You and me are plan A. There is no plan B. Can you tap one person right now and say, there is no plan B? Tap them right now. Say it to them. Go ahead. Yeah, according to, according to Jesus, the church, when it's literally healthy and on mission, led by the Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be the greatest offensive weapon in God's arsenal. This unstoppable force for good. In, in fact, Jesus, he said this, he said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and in what? Forceful men lay hold of it. I love this. I think this is trying to make it palatable to you. The King James Version, like old school, says violent men lay hold of it. What does he mean by that? Violent men. I'm not talking about religious violence. Jesus simply meant bringing God's kingdom to this broken world, bringing heaven down to earth, takes guts. It takes courage. It takes faith. It takes determination because the opposition that will be leveled against you by this world. So don't be surprised when you come under attack. When you see others taken out, take hope in the knowledge. The kingdom's advancing inch by inch, foot by foot, one life at a time. We're gaining ground and seeing God's mission be fulfilled to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for forceful men. He's looking for forceful women. He's looking for forceful teens, forceful 20-somethings. People who say, I am moving from passive observation to active duty. I am going to the front lines. You should know this right now. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to try to freak out, but in this room, you are surrounded by violent people. Just, just saying. I'm just saying, now you're like, what is happening right now? Don't be scared. What I mean is, when I think about the courage and the, the guts, the muscle, the heart that's needed to fulfill our mission of taking church to the people, so many heroes in this church come to mind. 
So many of them. For, for instance, to pull off that Palm Sunday service in Montclair, it's going to blow your mind. Do you know how many people volunteered that day? In a 12-hour span, actually laced up their boots, put on their helmet. All right, this doesn't fit exactly how I had hoped. Actually said, I'm going to carry hundreds of pounds of equipment to bring the name of Jesus to Essex County. Do you know how many people volunteered? 300 mighty men and women. Can we hear it for them, please? That's incredible to me. Folks, that's a church that's on mission. And this is your call to duty because you know what? That happens. Every single Sunday, you are sitting among heroes. I I, want to highlight three of them for you, if you would indulge me. The first one is my personal hero, Yuzo. Do you guys know Yuzo? Yeah, I'll hear it for Yuzo. There he is, Yuzo. He serves on the roadies team at our Morristown campus. Every week, he arrives with dozens of other muscle men. These are forceful men who arrive at 4 a.m. to carry and set up two tons of equipment and staging for this service. Pound for pound, I'll just tell you, the roadies are the strongest and hardest working soldiers at Liquid. Now, Yuzo is hard to see because he's so quick like a ninja. I swear he's a ninja. You can't, you can't even see him. But once everything's kind of set up, he leads the charge of putting everything together from the truss to the wiring, the lights, the amps, the screens. And he's not a trained electrician. He just has a heart to serve. And he's not alone. He has his buddies, Matt, Ed, Roy, Tom, Dan, Stu, all those guys, heroes, Frank, George, Steve, down in the Bruns. These are men of honor. These are incredible men. The, roadie, the roadies are like the special forces. You know what I'm talking about? I know that because you know how I know? This will convince you why they're special because they have their own T-shirt. You ever see this? They won't even let me have one of these T-shirts. I'm serious. I, I, I'm like, they're like, you're going to give that back. This is for the few, the proud, the roadies, okay? It's incredible. They are literally like the guys who are landing in Private Ryan. They're like, we're going to establish the beachhead. We're going to get out there and we're going to do this. And I'm spotlighting this for one reason. They'd be embarrassed right now. They're like, oh, don't talk about us. I'm spotlighting Yuzo because he's my hero. Yuzo's my hero. Every week, I get to stand on this stage and preach God's word to you because of him. You see my face, but I'm not the hero. Yuzo is my hero. The roadies are my hero. Sean's my hero. Charles is my hero. And so I'm going to, I can't put it plainly enough to you. No roadies, no liquid. And so I'm going I'm to be bold today. And I'm going to call some of you out and ask you to consider joining, joining up. Join with you so like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're sitting on the sidelines and, and you're thinking, well, I want to make a difference, but I, I don't know how. If you can roll a cable up in a circle, yeah, you can have the t-shirt. Is that correct, guys? Ladies, you're welcome too. The roadies just need anyone with a heart to serve behind the scenes. Guys, this is a mission-critical area. In fact, there are three that we spotlighted on the back of your connection card. Can you pull that out? Just take a look at that for a minute, would you? I highlighted Yuzo and the roadies, but the second platoon that's manned by heroes is the kids, the guys who work with our kids and youth. If you saw on Palm Sunday what this team did to serve over 250 kids, the creativity, the passion, it took an army of volunteers to rock the babies, prep the goldfish, to creatively teach biblical truth to the next generation. It's unbelievable. I think of uh, Rachel Lally. You guys know Rachel? She leads um, Flood, our youth ministry in New Brunswick. Incredible young woman. In addition to working full-time, Rachel personally mentors a handful of young women. She goes to their games. She leads small group Bible studies. She takes her kids out to lunch. She leads worship down there. She teaches them how to study God's word. She prays with and for our teens, and she loves it. Guys, that's the church on mission. The next generation teaching the next generation. You got to use your talents like Tommy. Folks, 
All you need is a heart to serve, to say, you know what, I'm in. Whatever gifts I have, God, use me. You, you, you know what the most dangerous prayer? The most dangerous prayer you can possibly pray in your life. Look at me, two words, ready? Use me. God says, what? Here am I, send me, use me. Guys, you don't have to, you don't have to be a master teacher. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. With kids, it's just about being present, present in love. Maybe you're the one in charge of opening games with the kids or whatever, or, or leading discussion. Maybe you're emailing, textbooking, uh, or textbooking, texting, Facebooking, whatever it is, writing letters of encouragement to them. We need parents to sign up and help. Even if it's helping plan events or volunteering to bring the food or arrange transportation. Guys, that's mission critical. Join with Rachel like a good soldier in Christ Jesus. You'll notice on this connection card, we've given you a way to respond today. This is your call to duty. All you have to do is check one of the boxes. I'll serve with Yuzo and the roadies. I'll serve with Rachel and kids or youth. You don't even have to know what area yet. We'll contact you, find out where your gifts are, what you want to do. And here's the deal. Here's the list. Hey, you're not signing your life away. If you, you know, you know what the deal is? You've all been like by military recruitment centers. If you join the military, you're committed for two years. We're talking about twice a month here. <laughs> Even if you can serve only two times a month, we would love to have you on one of these teams. And I'm making a pledge to you. We will not burn you out. We will not break your back because nobody else is there to help you with it. Oh, for Jesus. What's your pen say? Faith is a journey what? Not a guilt trip. We don't do guilt at liquid, okay? If it's not a fit for you, you can leave at any time, no harm, no foul. We don't do guilt, candidly, because we're trying to protect our volunteers because you're on the front lines. In fact, that's one of the reasons we're doing this. We're trying to give some of our heroes who've been serving on the front lines for so long a break this spring. We need reinforcements. Reinforcements. And honestly, just I can't put it clearly enough, some of you need to get off the sidelines. You need to say, I'm going to the front lines this spring. I'm going to serve. The last mission critical area I would like you to consider is serving with Gina in our central support team. Can we hear it for Gina and Rob and Vonda and all those people who kill it? Maybe you can't serve on Sunday, but you have an hour or two during the week you could volunteer. Wonderful. Join Gina. Gina is another one of my heroes. She serves during the week at our central office. She helps you know, make binders, set up, a, you know, fold the programs, put the notes in data entry. She actually leads our prayer team efforts. How do you think you get prayed for, by the way? I know, I know we all write our prayer requests on here and magically you get prayed for. Do you know what? Gina literally comes in and she types in by hand all of your prayer requests and we pray for every one of those. She gets those entered. And then we have other volunteers from folding t-shirts to actually praying for you on the e-care and e-prayer team. I think of people like Mary Beth Lentine. She's, she's a volunteer. She doesn't even come in our office during the week. She says, I have a couple of hours. And so what she does is she offers prayer support virtually from home to people in need. She'll pray for them. She'll call them. There are all sorts of roles with central support. Just a few hours a week can make a huge difference in our mission. Gina is actually, I just got to brag on her. She's a flight attendant. She, you, you think you've got a crazy schedule? She flies out to Europe a couple times a week but she actually schedules her trips around her volunteer schedule because she believes in the importance of praying for you. For you. These aren't just data entry. Every one of these is a a real person with a real need, and we need volunteers to follow up with them. On Monday, we need people just to come in the office and and, and, and count the offering. We need folks who actually will help assemble first-time gift bags. You're not... When you are assembling a new believer's kit, putting a Bible in there. It's not just stuff in a Bible and you're giving somebody God's word for the first time in their life. 
the words of life you're handing to them. So much of this is compassion-oriented. Guys, central support is everything critical to the overall mission of this church. It's like the Department of Defense. So if you have just a few hours a week to volunteer, just check the box. I'm joining Gina in central support, and we will be in touch with you this week to tell you how you can get involved. Um, Folks, these are just a sampling of our boots on the ground. These are our leaders in the trenches, our heroes on the front lines of ministry. I highlighted them. They'd be very embarrassed because they'd be like, you left out so-and-so, you so-and-so. Can we just hear it for all the volunteers, the army who makes this church what God intends it to be? This is how you can help. This is your call to duty. Listen to the invitation in 2 Timothy. In fact, can we just read this out loud, Liquid? I want to read this out loud together. Big, loud voice. Everyone ready? Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer, his CO. Every Christian is enlisted to serve in God's army. We're his soldiers. We have a mission to accomplish. We have an enemy to fight, and we have a commanding officer to please. Do you notice how it says, I just love this, by the way, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. You know what that is? You know what that means? Civilian affairs are simply means there's people, ordinary people, who have all sorts of good, very ordinary, everyday reasons not to serve. Civilians. People who are on mission with Jesus typically say, well, the weather's getting nice. I think I'm going to be a little bit busy. (laughs) Or they say, you know, on weekends, I sometimes travel or I go on vacation, which is all fine. We we are very flexible. We will work with you because we believe service is critical to your spiritual growth. But just don't think like a civilian. Oh, they don't need me. I'll leave that to the professionals. I'll leave that to you. I don't know where I fit. We need you. We will train you. We will find a spot for you. We will give you, oh, for heaven's sakes, Holy Spirit, your very own T-shirt. Let's just acknowledge that. How cool are those T-shirts? You, you want one of those T-shirts? You sign up today. Here's the deal. Everyone who says, you know what, I am joining the special forces today, gets our spring volunteer T-shirt. And just all kidding aside, guys, you are vital. The, the, the strength of a church is not the number of people who gather in a crowd. It's the number of army that's deployed to the streets to serve people. And I just want to pledge this to you. If you volunteer, you sign up this spring to serve, you will serve alongside some of the finest people in this church. You will never meet better people. You will make new friends. I am convinced some of the people who volunteer in our office on Thursdays, they do it just for the relationship. They go out to lunch together. Our roadies do sleepovers. I don't even want to know what happens there. You, <laughs> you will meet people you'll never otherwise would have met, and you will grow in Christ like never before. You know why? You know what our secret, secret uh, recipe is? Here's the secret sauce at Liquid. Relationship plus service equals life change. In other words, some people are like, oh, you know, I like to volunteer, and I'm charitable and everything, but they do it all alone. They just serve, and that's great, but that's charity. Some people say, oh, I really like the people of this church. I'm in a relationship. I have new friends, and they just come, and they consume and drink their coffee. When you take relationship and marry it to service, we're going to do something bigger than any one of us could do. You get life change. Your heart grows. Your heart for the kingdom. Your heart for the gospel literally grows. And most importantly, because you said, I'm in. Lives will be saved this year for eternity. For eternity. There's a woman named Lori who is brand new to our church. In fact, she's brand new to the family of God. And um, after the one service this week, uh, she wrote this to me. She said, hi, my name is Lori, and today I release all control and acknowledge that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I ask him to come into my heart and make me the person he intends for me to be. 
This happened at one. What an amazing day. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, she says, I know God's been pursuing me for over four years to have a relationship with him. And all that time I've been stumbling along, doubting, searching, questioning, full of fear, full of pride. But today, listen, I was a new person at that service and I heard him. I felt him. And what does she say? I want to what? Serve him. I live only seven miles from Montclair and I realize the campus isn't officially open yet. However, I'd like to volunteer and serve in any way I can and in any way that the church needs me. Let me know how I can help. Here's my phone number, my email. Folks, that's a gal who gets it. She's not even a week old in Christ. And she says, I get it. Now I got to give my life away. She, she, when you give your, when you see, she met a God who said, I'm giving my life away to you. If the most logical thing is to say, what can I now do to serve you? When she heard this message of a God who left heaven on mission to come and serve her, to give his life away, sacrifice his life for her. She's accepted that gift. Now she said, now it's my turn. I'm in. How can I serve him? How can I give my life away for people I haven't even met with in love? Folks, that's beautiful. That's the way it's supposed to be. And Lori, I want to welcome you to the the family of God. I want to welcome you to this church. Welcome to the front lines. God is going to do, we're going to take amazing hills together, my sister. I hope you will join with me. I hope you'll join with Lori, with Yuzo, with Rachel, with Gina. Maybe you've been on the sidelines too long. We need you on the front lines today. If you're ready to serve your CO this spring, even if it's one or two times a month, this is your moment. Check the box on the card. You're going to drop it in the popcorn bucket that's going to come around in one minute after I pray. And we'll be in touch with you this week to sort out the details. May you just feel God's pleasure as we serve him together on the front lines. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, Liquid Church, right now. All heads bowed, all of our campuses. Father, holy moment, I'm asking you to pour out blessing, God, on our volunteers. Lord, every week, hundreds of people, sacrifices that only you will know, are made so that the gospel can go forth. Father, thank you for the dozens and dozens and dozens of people, the thousands of hours. Would you just confirm in their heart right now, God, that you are well-pleased. You look down and you see it. But God, right now, send your spirit to those of us who are on the sidelines. Maybe we're nervous. Maybe we think we got nothing to offer. God, you're saying, I want you in my army today. God, may they check that box. May they actually have their life change because of the commitment they make today. May more life change happen because of what our people are sacrificing in the name of Christ and in your model than we could ever dream. We love you, Lord. Receive our service as our act of worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.